when it's two o'clock and you hear the trippy music, you know it's time for, there are some who call me Tim. Oh, I always try to time it right and I never do. Uh, this is Some Call Me Tim. It's the show where every week I get a new special person to talk to about religion, the afterlife, God, gods, cats, whatever they believe in. And I'm very excited today for our special guest, Paul Sanford. Here he is. Hi. Hi. He's Paul. Special guest, Paul Sanford. Well, it's, it's a reference to um, the Monty Python movie where there's in search for the Holy Grail. So, and it's sort of a ridiculous concept and then they, they all get derailed at the end and they don't know where they're going and it's you know, all about how ridiculous God is and things like that. Like Life of Brian. And not that God is ridiculous, not to all people, but for some people he is. Now I know you are our most special guest yet because you were a pastor. Yeah. You were literally a minister. So I can, I can speak the party line if you like. But for me, I make a distinction, an important distinction between religion Will you switch microphones? Because four is better. That one's better. Just move that one in front. That's a great like this microphone. microphone better. Okay. Right. We'll just we'll aim both at you, and that's perfect. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. I, I feel you like all of them. I feel perfect. like an important person. You are very. You are a very important well, person. Yes. On some well, let me see. Let, let me. Let me. Let me pretend I'm the president and tell some interesting lies. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, gaslighting. Right. Gaslighting um, is telling people a lot of lies to the point where you brainwash them and oppress them. Ooh. Okay, and to where you know they, they don't know what to believe anymore because you've told them all this stuff and and they don't they lose their frame of reference. Right. And a lot of what we think of as religion does a lot of gaslighting. Right. You certainly had a lot of it as you were growing up. Yeah, I was well. By Bible scholars in the house today. We've, I, that's what I was excited about. I'm like, we're both. I would say we're both Bible scholars. You more than I. That you've been through seminary school. Well, right. So you probably you're, like, you're more familiar with the Bible itself than I am. I'm more familiar with, um, let's say, scientific tools for how to read it. Oh. Um, for, for 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 analyzing it. Uh, we, we you know you go to you go to school and you you learn how to look up in the dictionary which the Greek words were and whether the Greek words meant. Right. Know. The strangest thing is people who want to play word games with the Bible in English as though that has any meaning because it's right. so hard to translate Hebrew especially into English. Well, it was originally written in Aramaic. So it was uh, Aramaic that was... One? Uh, I Probably the New Testament. No, actually, the parts that were written in Aramaic are in the are Apocrypha. The, Only the parts that were written in Greek and Hebrew are in the Bible. Now, huh. Jesus spoke Aramaic. Whoa. That was the spoken language, but that wasn't the cultural written language. You know, the people who wrote the Bible weren't Jesus' followers. Oh. It wasn't written by John the Apostle. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those aren't first-person no, no, accounts no, no, of no, no, from the... No, no, no. no, no. Well, those were written a generation later from stories that people had heard. And, of course, they're mostly fiction. Right. <laughs> but so you think... So, the, so even as a scholar, you think that the Bible is just um, metaphorical or allegorical 
entails to no, shape. It's a, it's it's a sales document. Ooh. It, 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 the, 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 the gospel uh, according to, oh, I forget which one it is. I think it's John says, or Matthew says, now I'm writing this so that you will believe. Mm. And being believed that you will say, be saved. In other words, it's a sales document. It's just like the Jehovah's Witnesses do. It's just like the evangelists on the corner. The purpose is to change you, to convince you. And so nothing right. is included to say, you know, I never really, it, like if you, if you wrote a modern novel about meeting Jesus, you'd start out, well, I heard about this guy, but I didn't really think anything of it. I mean, there are lots of healers and wild-eyed fanatics, but you know, I never did meet him, but I did meet an awful lot of people who really sincerely believed in him. See, that's right. how you would write it for a modern audience, but that wasn't the style then. In the, it's just like if you tried to sell your toothpaste and you say, well, you know, all toothpastes are good. Ours is a little better. <laughs> but but, the, but our, that the text that, you know, Judeo-Christians follow uh-huh. is not the nicest sales document. I mean, it's pretty not so nice to women and not so nice to... Well, yes. There's a lot of fear. Yes. There's, and, it, and and there, and there's it's a lot of powerlessness. I always find it funny when someone does something really great and then they thank God, and I'm like, but you kind of actually did that. Why are you giving the credit to someone well, else? One thing um, we talk about God, and uh, you gotta remember that the that the that the, 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 the so-called Christian Bible, the New Testament, mm-hmm. is just an appendix to the real Bible, which is the Hebrew Bible. Right. The, the, he, the, the New Testament is written out of the Hebrew Bible. It says, okay, I'm going to come riding on an ass, the foal of an ass. And they say, okay, Matthew says, then he comes riding on an ass and the foal of an ass. He's riding two donkeys at once. <laughs> because Matthew wants to be very true to the Hebrew. Because Matthew's sort of Hebrew himself, you see. But he didn't really write it. It was someone else years later that said, "Well, I'm thinking this." Which this Matthew Math- are you talking about? Well, Matthew, the Matthew in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the apostles. Although the Matthew in the Bible certainly was a, you know, he, well, okay, uh, <laughs> the, the the these are dated a hundred years after the the events that they talk about. Sure. So, so. Um, but, and virgin but, birth. Why a virgin birth? Well, because you had to be special. Oh. I mean, I mean, why does Trump have to be a billionaire? <laughs> why can't he be a nine? You know, I own, I own a billion dollars worth of property, but I am in debt, seven hundred million on it. Right. But that makes me a billionaire because to be a hundred millionaire isn't sexy. Right, 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 right. So right. you have origin stories. What happened? Hundred millionaires. In, what so happened? The, it's pretty clear. Now listen, I'm talking about Orthodox Christianity here, the Church, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about God and spirituality, and I made that distinction very clear at the beginning. You go either direction. Right. Okay. Because in the Bible, you're talking about God, gods, false gods. Right. Well, how can there be false gods if there's only one God? Right. It doesn't make any sense. So, see, and so throughout there's there's this there's this growing idea that the one God of Israel is really the God of all people. Right. Well, that's a pretty 
uh, it's the hubris of man. Idea. It's what? <laughs> the hubris of man to think that this God, there's only one God. Well, wait a minute. There's also hubris to think that that God that you have sitting on your shelf that you can pick up and dust off, right. put in your saddlebags, take with you, that that God has some kind of ultimacy. I mean, what kind of God is it that you can put in your pocket? Right, right. See, so, so to start thinking, well, maybe if there's a God, that a true God, and, 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 and the invention of evil, because gods were self, you know, uh, Conan's God, Krom, doesn't give a shit about human beings. Right, Cthulhu also doesn't care about humans. Yeah, and just once, just Krom exists, and you say, okay, by Krom, and there's Krom, but he, Krom doesn't listen to prayer, doesn't, you know, Krom is just a supreme being. Sure. Well, how supreme can you be if you don't do anything? <laughs> See? And so Psalm, I think it's Psalm 82, Yahweh, the junior god, goes to the meeting of all the gods, and Isis is there, and Kali is there, and all of the, you know, all Vishnu the and all and, the, and sure. says, look, you're not gods because you don't care about justice, and you don't care about your people, and therefore you will die. And he commits, he, uh, this god Yahweh pronounces a death sentence on all these gods because they're not really godlike. <laughs> gods are, by definition, good. Well, that's kind of halfway through. I mean, that's like switching. That's like that stunt where you switch horses, you know? Right, right, right. I mean, we're, we're going along. Our God is the great God that defeats our enemies, you know? Our God is the one that, that, that orders us to execute all the men and enslave the children and rape the women. Right. You know? Because that's what gods do. Gods are on your side. Yeah. Gods are on your team. You know, to well, wait. If there's only one God, uh, well, we don't want that God to be bad. So it's a, if there's a, there's a one of the scholarly approaches to the Bible is that there's a growing understanding of God that emerges, and that is continued in Jesus. So Jesus is saying, well, you've heard this, but I'm telling you this. Right. And and so people who think that the Bible is consistent haven't read the Bible. Right, 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 right. Right? You know that. Yeah, absolutely. And because when you were growing up, they had you read the Bible and you started running up against all these lumps in the oatmeal. Right. Well, exactly. Because they've got the, you've got the woman lump. You got the... The woman lump? You got the problem about, you know, Esther and it's great. She saved all the Jewish people and how'd she do it? You know, is it because she was clever or amazing? No, she had a hot rack and didn't look Jewy. Like yeah. that's how she saved... The people from the mean king was upset because he threw his wife out and she wouldn't dress up at the she wouldn't take her clothes off at the party and he was like well, get out of here and then he needed a new wife and Malachi was like I got this hot cousin uh, Esther well her real name is Hadassah but change it to Esther so it doesn't sound so Jewy and she was so pretty that the king was like I love this lady yeah. and then she ended up saving all the people she was so. like a spy. Kind of. I mean, using sex yeah. to infiltrate the enemy. Well, but it's just sad that there's, you know, like two heroines. Well, there's hey, more look, than two female heroines. She was a heroines. whore. Yeah. She was a whore on the right side. Exactly. Okay. But what kind of story does that sound like to you? I mean, you're a student of literature. 
Well, it's the same thing. Women always get demonized. Well, she saves them, but because of her beauty, because of course she wouldn't have anything to do smart-wise. And if you have a smart woman like Delilah, well, then she's an evil spy because she cut off Samson's hair. What a bitch. You have these stories. uh, You have these stories. They're stories. You'd read them in Pulp Fiction. Sure. Okay, what are they doing in the Bible? (laughs) Teaching us that women are dumb. (laughs) I don't know. Are they teaching us? What, what's their purpose? Exactly. To keep women subjugated? I don't know. It's the same thing with Ruth. It's like she well, leaves... Clearly the Bible is interested in keeping women subjugated because yeah. women have a flow of menstrual blood and unless you are part of the family of that woman and she tells you, you can't tell when her clean days are and when her unclean days are. <laughs> and if a woman comes in contact with something, she's made it ritually impure. But this whole ritual impurity thing came a little bit later. Uh, the, the, one, of the, one of the important stories to think about, if you're thinking about the nature of God and gods, you know, capital G God. Mm-hmm. Okay, we come from a monotheistic culture, and so we think God, okay, God obviously is one God. Sure. But if you're going to be an atheist, you can disbelieve in a whole multitude of gods. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so to argue against monotheists to say, well, your God isn't consistent, well, duh. Right. How can you have some ultimacy that's within human understanding that's complete? Right. So I prefer when I'm actually trying to say what I actually think and believe, like if I were to preach a sermon, I try to avoid using the word God. Wow. Because I say God, and what do you think of, Pam? I think of the big guy who looks like you on a cloud, but with a bigger beard. With a beard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Sandals, Birkenstocks, cool Birkenstocks. Nice right. flowy white robes. And and a pretty nice guy and chuckles a lot, but boy when he gets mad. Oh yeah. Look out, Watch right? out. So he's like like a papa. Right. Like a like a like a like a pretty good daddy. But, but he'll smack you upside the head. He'll smack needs you to. upside the head, yeah. right. Yeah. So if you don't th- believe you're thinking of a being, well how can that be that already there's a limitation. It's like Santa Claus. Right. How can Santa Claus get to all of those Right? Right. So what do people... Where, where's tell, Santa Claus science? What do people tell their kids about Santa Claus when the kids start to catch on that the story doesn't make it? They go, well, he's an idea ah. that you believe in. Uh-huh. 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 Because... Or, yes. To teach you to be good during Christmas time. I don't know. Well, wait, so wait, you get wait, the wait, presents. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is, do people really not get presents for not being good anymore? I... I don't know. I, I wonder if you tell the kids if you put coal in the stockings anymore. What? The only time I've done coal is when I, it's actually tasty food treats and I take popcorn and nuts and I cover it in chocolate and then I put it on little bags with three X's and I say, you get coal yeah. this year for holidays. But, but it's funny. I'm being cheeky about it. Christmas is the whole concept of it being a time of judgment. You know, the time when, when you separate the good from the bad, and the goats are over there, and and uh, you know you get straw and switches, and you're. And, and what's with the it. demonization of goats? Goats are delicious. They are a tasty, tasty meat, and we've decided that somehow they have to do with the devil. Okay, just <laughs> with, with Santa Claus, I was told that Santa Claus represented the spirit of giving. Oh. And that that. St. Nicholas gave to the poor. Okay. And this whole thing of punishing the 
punishing the bad people, that crept in because, you know, people just got to lay their trip on things. Right. Well, it was the Dutch with Uncle Krampus. Whatever. He was a purple guy who took the things away from the children. So the spirit of giving, that's a pretty amorphous thing. So you have this symbol of Santa Claus that you can grab onto, but then you begin to limit it to just Santa Claus. And then you say, but Santa Claus can't bring all those presents. No, but Santa Claus, as the spirit of giving, stimulates people to the spirit of Christmas to giving. So all people become Santa Clauses and therefore, you know, and, and wait a minute, that's just too much for my little brain. I got to still... It's a great I, metaphor, Paul, I, about God. It's yeah, really, really fantastic. Right, right. You see, <laughs> it's so really you, great. You get God. You get God so narrowed down. Now, now imagine wine. What's wine? What's it made out of? Grapes. Ah, you see. Delicious but you can grapes. make wine out of anything. Oh, right, out of apricots. Or right, of, right, sure. So what dandelions. We, do, we say, well, gra- wine is made out of grapes, and anything else, we say this is dandelion wine or strawberry wine or whatever. But you can make. I mean, beer is great. Is wine fermented? Oh, from, okay. From, from hops and, from, uh-huh, and from grains. Grain, right? sure. so, so we call wine grape wine, and then we get it down to this one thing, and then we develop a kajillion versions of wine. Sure, sure, sure. See, so if you're going to say we're going to boil God down to one essence, one entity, one very specific notion that there's only one, Allah, there is one Allah, and Allah is Yahweh. Allah is, and if Jesus is God, then Jesus is Allah. Right. See, if 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 uh, Krishna is God, then Krishna is Allah. Right. You see, so what you're doing, you're not saying that there are competing gods. You're saying people are unaware of the truth that there is only one Godness. Oh. Sure. One God concept. But then it's split up in, in a variety have, of different fashions from everything from... It's expanded and, and everything. So were you Methodist? What were you? Unitarian? What was your... Methodist. You were Methodist. And you were Methodist. Methodist is a, not a doctrinal church. You don't, you don't have to pledge allegiance to a certain way of thinking. Huh. So, uh, but you do have to pledge allegiance to a certain way of doing. You're still not supposed to be a gay minister. Oh. Although there are lots of them in the West. Huh. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, rebellion going on in the Methodist Church because the growing churches in the South are more and more homophobic. Oh, uh-huh. And they're more and more determined to drive homosexuality out of the church. I just don't understand why it's anybody's business what you decide to do with your genitals, where you decide to stick them. No, wait. Like, wait. You, how does it get moralistic? We don't understand why it's anybody's business, but do you understand why somebody thinks it's their business? Not, well, I usually break it down to that people don't like other people's actions, or they try to be more moralistic than another person so that they can feel better than that other person, so that they are therefore more entitled, and the other person is less entitled because they are a better person. Yeah. They're entitled to more because their morality is of such a caliber that they feel entitled to deserving it. Okay. I, but I've, let's just yeah. assume that you're a mom or a dad. And your child, your girl child, has suddenly developed hips and breasts. Right, yeah, that happens. And you say, but she's too young for sex, and how can I keep her from having sex until she's ready? Right. 
Okay. Good, good dad issues. Good yeah. mom issues. And Absolutely. That's, uh, you know, I think when it's your own child and you really are concerned about their development and their maturity and you're you're raising them in your home and we, we try to keep our people young artificially oh you know you think yeah sure i feel like we make them grow up too quickly you put the well, juicy on well, their butts when they're 12 they really and- are grown up when they're 12 they really are grow i mean when once you pass puberty in the among the nadembu once you you know once you got hair on your balls they take you off and they put you through manhood rights and they circumcise wow. you and you're a man you're a full man. There aren't any degrees of manhood. Huh. You're, and maybe you're 14, 13, 15, 16. It depends on when they get enough boys together right. to do the ritual. And they'll have boys anywhere from 9 to 15. Wow. And they all become men. And they can't go to the women's cooking fire anymore because they don't have a foreskin. Wow. See? So, so uh, you know, so... Our cultures have rituals of rites of passage. Mm-hmm. And the more formalized they are, the more traditional the culture, the more formalized they are. And so in, uh, in some cultures, it's just not okay to have sex with somebody who hasn't become an adult. Right. Right? And in sure. other cultures, we'll let the kids play around as long as they know how to not get pregnant. Huh. See, now I don't, uh, I don't know, like, it, that makes me think of Brave New World and the sex play, and they were bringing it right. up with, like, five-year-olds, and they're like, right. look at them, that's so right. funny and cute. Right, and right, right, right. And now we're like, oh, but, and I get what you're saying about parenting and wanting to keep your kids, say, little girls and all that stuff, but really through fear and shame, like, well, I, I was afraid, I'm, I didn't have sex till I was 20, and yeah. most of it was... Jesus stuff. You didn't have sex. You to, mean you didn't masturbate. You didn't touch. Yourself, no, no, no. I I masturbated, but I well, did that. Then you had sex. But then I did that in the closet alone because I was ashamed because I was taught that that was dirty and bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, sexuality was dirty, bad, and wrong. And being naked and all that stuff was no good. So right. it put some trippy things into my head. Yeah. Which did they keep me from having sex till I was twenty? Absolutely. But is it? Did I have to, you know, go through years was of that body shame to and? You know, I think that for me it was helpful to wait because I would have been one of the girls that was like, I really want him to like me. I really want him to like me. He really wants me to have sex with him. I really want him to like me. And I was the type of girl that would have probably been like, well, I really want him to like me, so I'm going to have sex with him. But I was so Jesusified that I was was just like, that'll never happen. I was just so weirded out about it. Like the whole concept of just even being naked in front of somebody was like, I can't handle that. Because my Jesusification had a lot to do with body shaming. And that's just sort of like, I don't know why that happened. That your body is wrong and evil and a bad right. thing. And you, exactly. And the world is wrong and evil and a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah, and see, the, the irony is that at its base, uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew people in the Old Testament is life affirming. And that's why, the, okay, uh, let me finish up the idea though. You have a kid and you don't want her to have sex. And one way you can do that is you can lock her up in her room. Right, chastity belts, things like that. Yeah, well, yeah. Literal well, lock on the on the vest. Get around chastity belts. You have to do like, and underneath those burkas, you know, women are wearing hot pants. Really? Oh yeah, and makeup and everything. No. Oh sure. Really? Oh yeah. You can still sell makeup to a woman that you can't see. Well, she can wear it at home for her husband. <laughs> I guess. She that just seems wear the like a burka at home. 
Right, but that seems like a weird consumer well, thing. Like she's, uh, she's a she's supposed to be sexy for her husband. Oh, and she, of course she reads all the Western magazines. So not all of them are wearing that under Birkin, but sure. it's perfectly okay. She can wear whatever she wants underneath. Huh. But if she has a lot of eye makeup and her eyes are showing and, and some guy gets turned on and rapes her, well, then that's her fault because she was too sexy. Right. See? So, so this... Is that, that because men don't have... The, they don't have the faculties to be able to control themselves? Is that what yes. they're saying with that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I think... I don't that's know, a but, bummer because that demeans both you men see, and women. these things are... Totally cultural. They have right, nothing right, right. to do. They have nothing to do with religion. They have nothing to do with spiritual concepts. They are totally, totally cultural. Huh. And so, what we do. The reason I like to talk about religion and churches and religious organizations. They are expressions of a culture. Right. Usually, there are rituals involved. Yeah. And there are some very obvious rituals and some less obvious rituals. Somebody dies, you take food to their house. Right, right. It's right? a uh, nice thing to do. Somebody dies, you go to the funeral. Sure. You know, and I think uh, I think what we think of as of as religious thought, spiritual thought, probably started when people died and other people started saying, "Well, you know, we're not going to eat them." <laughs> You know, uh, let's not eat them. And then after a while, they say, well, we don't want the dogs to eat them either. We got to do something with them. Right. You know, and, and, and so we found some people from their brain size. And there's a new species of humans from their brain size. They're very Whoa. limited. Really? But they found their bones in this cavern that you can barely get into. They had to get women archaeologists. Because it was too tiny. They couldn't squeeze in there. Too tiny for men. Yeah. Yeah. So they got small women to go in and study it, and they found hundreds of individuals in there. The only explanation that makes sense is that they were carried in there by their own people. Right. For a ritual of burial. Yeah. Well, if people are aware enough to bury their dead, that's a development in being human. Sure. And it implies some kind of thought that the person's body stands for something. Right. More than just a piece of meat. I guess. Well, also or, though, or you do, you 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 just you just bury them for sanitation. Right, reasons. exactly, because they smell bad, and so and you put them in this cave. And then somebody says, "Well, why did we bury them?" And then somebody says, "Well, no, you know, let's make up a story about how their spirit goes to heaven, and wh- you know, why did we kill his favorite uh, his." his favorite harem girl and put her in the there with him well that was to keep him company in the oh i don't know uh the afterlife right you know and so we make up this whole elaborate thing right right yeah right. the valhalla that all the the vikings and, and i don't burn mean to, i don't mean to say that it's fictional i mean to say that may be the way in which people began to develop a sense that there's more to life than what you see at the end of your hand. Sure. Especially since I'm so nearsighted and I wouldn't have had glasses at the time. Oh, wow. You know, I would have had to have a lot of thought and description. I would have been probably been a storyteller. Right. I wouldn't be a great hunter. Because you can't see. I might have been a craftsman. Sure. It's, you know, it's close, and close so up. I Underwater have, basket weaving. Yeah. Some, I, I inherited this poor eyesight from people who specialized. Huh. 
Watchmakers? Are you from a watchmaking people? I don't know. Tiny little cogs I don't and wheels. Know, but you can't you can't have people with vision as poor as mine. And then I'm bipolar. Oh yeah. No, where do does you think bipolar existed back in the day though? Like, do you think that bipolar existed in Jesus' times, or is that something that's developed with humanity through time, well, with our know, like? Because we have nothing up, else to if think you about. Get up in the morning and milk the cow. The cow isn't particularly isn't particularly uh, sensitive to nuances in your sure. mood. Right. And you probably have memorized the stroke, you know, how right, to... Right, right. And it probably is rather soothing to do that. So, uh, the, the, but, but the theory on bipolar was it would have had to have had some meaning in prehistorical times. Huh. Because, you know, we're, we haven't evolved that much over the last 10,000 years. Sure, it's just uh, but, human bodies and but yeah. our but our brains because people didn't read 10,000 years ago. But how would you have bipolar uh, not just bipolar but schizophrenia? Sure. How do you have schizophrenia across all cultures? Right, all right, right. parts of the world. No, no, it's a good and, argument. Yeah. So we're pretty sure that human beings came from one little bunch of people in a little corner of Africa. That, that the modern human being evolved there and was a pretty small population. You know, they can go back to the mitochondrial di- DNA and they can trace who's related to whom. Right. And that's where they came up with the African Eve, that we all came from a bunch in Africa. And then a small part of those people left across the land bridge into the Middle East and developed there. So uh, like a small percentage, maybe, I don't know, Less than 10%, certainly, maybe 2 3% of African genetics came into the rest of us. And that's why there's so much more diversity among, among uh, people in Africa. Sure. So, you know, you have the fastest people in the world come from Africa, but probably you also have the slowest people in the world. <laughs> and you have the tallest people in the world, and you also have the shortest people in the world. They have, I watched a weird documentary on albino Africans, and there uh-huh. are a lot of them, and they get bad skin cancer, and it's really awful. Yes, yes. And how, how is that adaptive? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Got, and it has to be some that's level you, of That's inbreeding. when you curse, curse God. Uh. Well, to get, <laughs> but to get these exotic... Uh, effects you need inbreeding i mean you do a lot of inbreeding when you're breeding animals right you breed mother to son well there are some ideas. no cats my mom used to breed himalayan cats for a minute and um because they were just so fluffy and their little flat faces and it was a problem sometimes when they were overbred their little flat faces would be so flat that like goop would constantly come out of their eyes and they couldn't breathe uh, she had a kitty that had to have come out the birth canal yeah they, well they've got this cute little flat face but they can't they can't breathe and right. their eyes have weird right. problems and because right. and, they're just so right. but the flatter the face for some reason the well, cuter those cats Pamela the way in which you and I have evolved and the way in which our ancestors back the last 10,000 years have evolved has been socially. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So our social evolution... It's not the physical evolution. It's the social specialized and some of it has been maladaptive. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that the Hebrew Bible is very interested in is fertility because children are a blessing. Right. And to not have children, to be barren is a curse. Well, I mean, if you look no at the, be, be fruitful and multiply, there's I guess no, if you have no, no ambiguity about this, women who don't have children, they cry aloud in great pain. Uh, you know, Elizabeth can't get pregnant. Uh, Mary's 
Mary's cousin Elizabeth can't get pregnant when she gets pregnant with John the Baptist. It's a gift of God. Right. Well, and there's the Sarah and Abraham thing where right. she was like 93 or, or something. Whatever, and and she gave, it's such a cute story because it's right. all about slavery. She gives Hagar to Abraham and then Hagar gets pregnant. Right. And then with Ishmael, I believe is the son's name. And once again, it's a story. And then they beat her up. And then, and then Sarah gets all angry once she's pregnant and she's right. like, Beats right. her up, sends her away, and says, get out of here. So these stories show great understanding of what human beings are like. They're jerks. Well, They're jerks. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's an evolution of human beings in the scripture that's hard to follow because the scripture isn't chronological. It's all chopped up. Right. And each, each, each individual book, is an individual book by itself that has its own history. Now we know this, if you study the Bible, even, you know, three, four, just take one good class, and they say, oh yeah, there's the Yahwistic, the Eloistic, the priestly, uh, J-E-P-D, and the Deuteronomistic writers of this chapter of Leviticus. And you can see the difference. There are different Great concerns point. about what's important. Right. And so the, the priestly people are very important in doing things right at the temple, doing the right rituals. But the, the people who are interested in, in social justice say that's all a bunch of crap. What's important is do you have a just society? Right. So you see this tension in the Bible and you don't just see it like, oh, I have to read very carefully. You see them saying, I despise your feasts, your holy offerings, your burnt offerings, let justice roll down like water and and uh, righteousness like a flowing stream. I mean, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a clear clash and there are good, there are the good prophets and the bad prophets. And the way we know the good prophets is because they were the ones that got chosen to keep in the story. Right. And that's why the women are marginalized because as in all successful religious movements in our country, you go someplace and start a church and the women join, but the men control the money. Oh. So the women have to get their husbands to join, then their husbands are paying for the church, so they figure they ought to run it, and they marginalize the women. Right. Now, you see that in the scripture. Sure. Why do you have to bother to say women are not going to speak in church? Because they're already speaking in church. They don't have rules against, thou shalt not commit adultery. You don't have to have that rule if nobody's committing adultery. Exactly. Who is it? Uh, Griff Neal. um, Hayden Griff, yeah. Hayden Griff Neal has that joke, uh, why is there a sign in the library that says no skateboarding? Yeah, right. Exactly. Somebody had to have been skateboarding. Someone was skateboarding in the library. Absolutely. So so you have rules against things that people are doing. So if there's a rule in the Bible against homosexuality, it means people were doing it. Right. I well, I think that the rules against homosexuality in the Bible are contextual in that during that time, people were enslaving the Jews constantly and fighting them in wars and winning, and then they take their children and make them slaves. And then I think that there was probably a lot of butt rape going on that they didn't like. And so they'd say, hey, homosexuality is wrong. What gave you the idea that you're allowed to think about the Bible? <laughs> but honestly, about, honestly. Pam, I always think about the Bible. Well, but what I mean, gave, I interpret what gave all you the books. idea that you were able to come up with your own individual personal interpretation of the Bible like that? Well, because every book that you read, it ha- you have a specific relationship eh, to yourself with it. Eh, 
You often. come from a tradition in which you were told to read the Bible and supposedly to think for yourself, but you were told the answers were in the back of the book, <laughs> and you were told where you were supposed to arrive, but you were told that you were supposed to arrive them on your own. So there's a there's a pattern of salvation. Right. You know, you're you're sinful, then you become upset and lost in your sin, and you realize, I'm a bad person, I want to become good, and you convert to being good, and you seek the holy life, and you go through the valley of despair. Yeah, the valley and the shadow of death. You've heard all that. Oh, right? Of course. Well, yeah, and okay. it is by, it is by grace you have been Protestant saved through faith. Notion. Yeah. The Catholic notion is you're born, you're baptized, that washes you clean, and then you stay good by doing the right things and you do you know you live a holy life and and you're not supposed to think about whether or not you kill yourself right okay because it's an abomination and sin against god well, right yeah so the first class i took in seminary was on ethics and we were, got the distinction between deontological and teleological Everybody out there, you Google those words. <laughs> Teleological is basically, let's just call it u, u, utilitarian. Okay. Okay. Deontological means the Dio, the God, God right. said it. So it's, it's, it's rules. Theory versus... Cause rules the, versus what's best. Right. So you heard all my life, I heard the radio preachers preaching against situational ethics. Mm. Oh, we can't have situational ethics. We got to have God's law, God's rules. See, right. so if abortion is bad, abortion is always bad. There's never in a good abortion, even to save a woman's life. Right, because the act of abortion, in their mind, is anti-life. It's anti-life. Right. Now, and because you're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, it goes against that. Wait, 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 but why are you supposed to be fruitful and multiply? Because it says it in the Bible. Because we're because because we're selfish because, people and we wait, want wait, dominion wait, wait, over wait, the wait. earth. You, you got it. You got it right there. It says it in the Bible. It's deontological. It's the rule. It's given. Be fruitful and multiply. Gotcha. Okay, that's it. That's the rule. But the man has got to know that it's his own kid. Therefore, the woman can't have sex except with her husband. Right. Therefore, if a woman has sex with anybody but her husband, that's adultery, that's bad. And then they finally figured out, well, if the men are screwing around, that's not so helpful either. So we'll, yeah, I guess we'll include the men in adultery. But you got to make up rules based on, but the utilitarian part of it is you need children for work. Right. And yeah, you need children. The, the original slaves. Right. Children. And and you come and you start a town and there are only 10 people in the town you want the town to grow right so growth you know the whole capitalistic growth oriented bigger better smoother faster longer wider right right know, right is is part of be fruitful and multiply and it has a very utilitarian cast to it and so what you have is the utility of you have children because they'll take care of you in your old age right plus the command to have children but it starts from god saying to abram not abraham he's abram, he's at, abram the at the time yeah sure yeah he says uh you get i'm giving you two gifts i'm giving you this land and i'm giving you thousands of descendants right wow yeah see my kids are 30 and 34 
Neither one of them is married, no children. I'm a little nervous. Right. Okay, now my, my genetics are going on because I have nieces and nephews and my nieces are having kids, but that sort of dilutes the gene base, uh, gene pool. I'd like to have my own grandchildren. Right. Now, I think this Get on it, Grace. Now, <laughs> say it again. I said, get on it, Grace. Your yeah, daughter. Well, <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, the thing is, uh, it would be very inconvenient for her to have a child with her job that she has now. Sure. And uh, the, her union isn't really that great about maternal leave and those those things uh, because she's on call and my son is just finishing his PhD he has his his fellowship has run out and he's got to finish he's got several more papers to get published right where does he live he's in uh, Colorado oh dang it I would he'd be good for the dating game hmm? he'd be good for the dating game where I put up the I'm trying to look for a good bachelor for the dating game oh yeah he'd be a great bachelor for the dating game except he's not going to date anybody because he, the minute he finishes he's moving oh so you know he he's he's got to get his experiment done and write it up right no time for ladies no time well yeah yeah unless you're going to be frivolous and he's not a frivolous person right which again you see what we do is we say well my type of person isn't the type of person to just fool around and have a lot of one-night stands. Therefore, that's bad right. to have one-night stands. Whereas I am the kind of person who, what's the matter? One-night stand? You know, you're only in town for three days, so find somebody. That's good. That's cool. Therefore, they're good. So you make the laws and the rules to fit yourself. Sure. And then you find a lot of other people who agree with you. And then you form a culture that affirms your values. Sure. And then you say, well, God said that. <laughs> and now, in terms of abortion, the idea that if you show a woman the beating heart of that little larva inside her. Sure, I like the term larva, that's very funny. That that will just automatically turn her into a loving mother. Huh. Right, well, because that's just natural. That's just the people who want that done. They just assume that's just the way anybody would feel. Because I feel that way. Right. I feel that way. Boy, I knew the minute I was pregnant, and I loved that child. Okay, so they assume that's the only way you can possibly feel. Right. And that the people who are aborting their children are bad on purpose. <laughs> I am, but that's the thing: is I love drinking on Tuesday nights. That's why I should never have a baby. And now I have an IUD, but. Hey, like, I think it's more irresponsible Why don't you for get people. Sterilized? Because um, you still need the. I don't want to get. I, I want to have my the hormones and everything in my body. I, I don't. Uh-huh. I don't see the need for an extra invasive procedure to clip my tubes. When I just have an IUD, it's great. It's gonna last yeah. till menopause, and I'll be fine. But why? Why don't you? The men you have sex with could get vasectomies. Well, Jonathan's only thirty-two. So yeah. I just don't think that yeah, see, he's necessarily ready to do but that. But you're making these decisions on a utilitarian basis. Right. You're not making it like it's a command from God to no, stay no, fertile. No, no, no. I don't believe in that. Yeah. My whole thing is, and plus, I don't see the whole baby-making process as the whole holy thing. I think that raising a child and being there and being a responsible parent right. and being right. sentient of that work and what it takes, right. that is 
more important and more of a responsibility right. than getting rid of a clump of cells because you hadn't because i mean you had an accident but we somebody can raise condoms. that child for you but no one will see that's the thing when i when i got pregnant a couple of years ago uh and it was only like for 21 days so it wasn't a big deal but i thought about having a gofundme uh-huh. and being like hey christians Republicans, you want to put your money where your mouth is? I will not have an abortion if you guys raise for me a million dollars. Because that's what it costs to raise a child sure. in the United States. Sure. And that's not even like, my God, I wouldn't even give my kid a cell phone. Like when they're 10, nine year olds with cell phones makes me like, who are they calling? They call each other. I'm like, why are you talking to another nine year old on the phone? But nobody so would ever weird. trust anybody who would extort a million dollars. To, to be a parent? Having, <laughs> no, to keep you from having an abortion. It would be so great. I totally would have had that baby. If could raise a million dollars by by threatening to get an abortion, that would be that would be a great get rich. Right. It thing. seemed like a great scheme. I just didn't know. As though people who are getting pregnant with unwanted and unexpected pregnancies are thinking about it. You know, uh, <laughs> but... but Let's let's go to homosexuality. Sure. Okay. I think that one of the things that people who oppose homosexuality think is that people are being bad on purpose. They know it's wrong. They know it's nasty, and they're getting off on it being nasty. Oh. Because for them, since they're not same-sex oriented right if they had sex with somebody of the same sex it would be an adventure (laughs) it wouldn't be a real expression of who they are right except it would be because we're all really bisexual but that's a big stretch for somebody to accept that they really could be attracted to somebody but not but they're my joke is that we're all bisexual but most of us have very strong brand loyalty. <laughs> exactly, sure. I mean, I'm very tuned in to women. Sure. And uh, but I'm not going to name him. But the, you know, there there are there there are some very manly, wonderful men in comedy that I'm attracted to. Sure. And if the, if there were no women around, I'd be, you know. Sure. Sure. And. They're all going to be teasing me over this. <laughs> <laughs> Comedians don't usually listen to the show. It's a different listenership. Yeah, right. But Comedians yeah. are trash. They are. They're just dirty, little nasty. But that's why they—that's why we love okay, them so much. So let's let's talk about ultimacy for a minute. I mean, okay, yeah. You're deeply invested in Mutiny Radio. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, how's your retirement plan? Well, I have two 401ks from when I was a responsible. How's your retirement plan from Mutiny Radio? There isn't one. They're not taking care of your future. No, there's no. Do they? Do they have? Do you have uh, healthcare benefits through your job? Well, I'm so poor that Could I'm you? on Medi-Cal. So the co- so, so the country is subsidizing the station. Absolutely. Like we subsidize Walmart by giving. Right. Food I stamps. get. I get. I get double subsidies. I okay. get Medi-Cal from yeah. the government, and I also get what right. I, I like to call my artist so stipend. So you're choosing to be poor. Right, because it's and you're it's, ripping off the government. Not ripping off the government. I call wait, it an wait, artist wait, 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 wait. stipend. I, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally. Call, yes. I'm intentionally. Making My, an I'm on food stamps because but it's an artist stipend. Is Otherwise, that I wouldn't be able to. radio eat. is your cause. Sure. You're deeply invested in Mutiny Radio, just like somebody who works in Wall Street is deeply invested in Wall Street. Sure. But the guy on Wall Street expects Wall Street to take care of him, and right. when Wall Street doesn't do it. You know, when there's a crash or when he turns, 
My sister-in-law turned in her 50s and became an alcoholic and uh, got laid off by one of the big banks in the crash. And she can't get work. Yeah. And she's unemployable, unemployed, and, you know, and it's pretty grim. So her God of Wall Street betrayed her. Right, right. And turned out to not be ultimately that godlike. Yeah. Okay? So Mutiny Radio is, if you make Mutiny Radio your god, you're going to be disappointed. This isn't going to be here in this form 30 years from now. Well, probably not because I won't be here. Well, yeah. Where will you be? I'll probably be dead. I'm surprised I made it past 40. Because? Because I drink heavily uh, <laughs> all the time. Okay. And I don't eat well and I don't take care of myself. I smoke. I smoke but, tons but of pot. But you may be genetically destined to live quite a while. I don't know. Yeah, my grandma, she started having strokes in her 80s and then she lost her flexibility. She went blind and then she fell down a couple times and, yeah. and after that it was all downhill. It was when she lost her flexibility. But she lived to be um, 80-something. So she did okay, and she used to smoke. Oh, it was great. Back when she was cool and she smoked. So here's the orthodox pitch, that people have ultimacy in their lives. You have to. And what you do is you seize onto lesser ultimacies and make them your small g gods. Sure. And a lot of people right now are really in love with logic, Mm. with science, with rationality. Sure. And I think it's a false god. Huh. But science is real. Yeah, but like, it's not ultimate. There's also such a thing as intuition, creativity, love. Uh, we haven't explained a lot of... Right. Can you scientifically uh, quantify love? Right. Can you well, scientifically and, quantify the feeling of like, right. you know, right. attraction or why it happens right. or and all that right. stuff? But more than that, um, science can let you down. What if you do your figuring and by mistake you use inches, feet, and yards, and miles instead of kilometers, meters, and then your spaceship goes awry? Right, sure. There's a fragility to logic and science that if you make mistakes, if human beings make mistakes, it messes it up. Sure. So you you have a piltdown man that's a fake, and then everybody says, oh oh oh, uh, and and then and and you you're never ever 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 going to be able to get the theory of evolution beyond being a theory, and you're not going to be able to educate people who are disinterested in science to understand how theories work. Right. And then you have people saying, well, it's proven science. No, it's not. There is no proven science. You can't prove things what about science. like carbon you can dating only prove things in mathematics oh, right because carbon dating is mathematics and it's a it's a right what you do is you give a preponderance of evidence mm. see so my son is working on his experiment and he's already published one paper on it which is exciting for a graduate student sure and uh and he, but he, and he has two more in the works and he keeps coming up with data that isn't explained by his earliest by his theory. Oh. So he has to keep has to reproduce those that data and then come up with a new observation. He has on to backtrack on how his that's theory. Happening. Yeah. And his his thing his whole thing started out with um, super small samples of water, so small that they have a quantifiable number of mic of 
uh, atoms, molecules. Molecules, okay. You could, you know, you can say like there's a hundred molecules in this, and he has them in suspension in a solution, and then he can, he can put in sugar, and the amount of sugar and the temperature and the pressure and the size of it and all, he gets results and how they behave that are different than if they were large quantities. Huh. Well, yeah, huh. And so he took it to his professor, and the professor says, this is interesting, you should follow up on it. By interesting, they mean it's weird. Right, right, right. That okay. Because you, you would think that a small quantity of water and a large quantity of water would have the same, right. they dissolve sugar at the same rate or something like that. Sure. So, but if you're, if you're, uh, if you're a mature woman and you've always wanted attention and all of a sudden you have this younger man this is really good looking paying attention to you you know you're running an experiment he said this is weird <laughs> i better test this out sure you know so we we do want to be rational but but if you're so rational that you say oh no this doesn't make sense this can't be look i looked it up the chances of this working don't uh, 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 no, right. no, no. yeah then you then you buy your buy a lot of uh, unhappiness for yourself yeah so so the great divide in religion between liberal and conservative is the, the ones who say, well, the rules are the rule, the law of God is the law of God, it's immutable, God has a plan for you, right. and don't, you know, by free will, you're sinning, you're messing up God's plan. That whole deontological law, the law is the law, and I'm here to enforce it, right. thing, versus, well, if God is good, God wants what's best for us, and it's for us to decide as best we can what the best thing is, therefore, uh, we better stop this global warming. Right. Yeah. See? But the, the now, but now we have an administration that doesn't even believe in global warming. But that's because it doesn't jive with oh, their ideas have an about money. That doesn't believe in believing in things. Right. <laughs> it's so sad. Do you? Um, so right, I have a. Time. Uh, we're good. We've got about eight minutes left. Okay. Good. Uh, I have a theory uh-huh. that I think is absolutely real, and people think I'm a nut, but it well, can't not, not be proven. You are a nut. Yeah. I think that the T-Rex's bones were put back together wrong. I think that the T-Rex was actually a flying dragon. So I've looked at the bones of the T-Rex, and it has no breastplate. It's just ribs, and there's nothing underneath it. But it has this weird hip cap on it, like a hip bone thing, to give it legs. Well, hey, dummies, what if we take that dumb hip bone and we flip it upside down and make it a breastbone, like every bird has a breastbone. Actually, everything has a breastbone. Then those big beefy legs become big beefy arms. And then you move those tiny little front arms back and you make them legs. Because it's because it's a, a bird and birds have little tiny legs. So if you moved the little ineffectual arms from the front back to the back and you flip the hip bone, which shouldn't exist, over underneath as a breastplate then you've got the whole articulated spine and it looks like a dragon and why would we have all this dragon mythology if there were no dragons well why (laughs) would we have all this dragon mythology if there were no dragons 
but that's the thing. They all these flying snakes in the air. And I'm like, where did all these ideas come from? Why did St. George slay the dragon and all this Can't dragon you have stuff? an idea that transcends reality? Well, but the thing is, I feel like it is embedded in reality and that the T-Rex well, was a dragon. That's very <laughs> rational of you, but <laughs> yeah. haven't, have you, haven't you ever written a poem that just came out of your emotions? Yeah, but they don't usually involve dragons. And if they do, <laughs> like where, just where did it come from if there isn't any? And it's the hubris of man, because of course the biggest, oh, coolest... Okay, look, my, my phone just rang. Who was it? Turn it off. Oh, it's okay. Okay, it was something about the refinance on my house. Oh, like, are you refinancing so your house? all of us have these frigging cell phones in our pockets, and yeah. we did not have these frigging cell phones in our pockets. No, we didn't. 20 years ago. Certainly not. And I got my first phone in 97, so actually right. 20 years ago was when I got my first right. phone. And so, but everybody has them now. Everybody has them now. Yeah, and, yeah. and the idea that you can live without a cell phone is just unimaginable and people don't have landlines anymore. But once upon a time, if the phone were ringing, you just wouldn't answer it. Right. Yeah. And the person would have to call back. But now, if you don't answer your cell phone, well, what, what, what's, what's wrong? What's they think you're on? dead, yeah. See? So, mm-hmm. so we have these... Um, Somebody says there are only a thousand stories. Oh, uh, huh? Sure, I believe that. There are only a thousand plot lines, right? Sure. Um, Romeo and Juliet. But, yeah. but if you're going to Oedipus. have a, a, a metaphor, you know there are agreed upon metaphors and not agreed upon metaphors. I have a terrible thing with analogies. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I made some analogy about. Um, Freud having said that women were men without penises. Sure. And uh, I tried to flip that around, you know, and and somebody just, they just went after me for being anti-woman. Oh. And, and they just couldn't get that I was making an analogy. Some people can't get analogies. Sure. And some people can't get Santa Claus. <laughs> Okay, so you think Santa Claus came from St. Nicholas, but mm-hmm. he also came from a need to have some kind of a image for generosity and giving and for a season. Sure. Okay? And so what you did there was to take a whole lot of different traditions and combine them into one thing. So, okay, let's say there really were dragons. Yeah. When, when did the last one die off? St. George? Um, gosh, I think that maybe they're still a, well I mean we have dragons they just don't fly I think they're called alligators and uh-huh. crocodiles right they look like and Gila monsters and Gila monsters yeah but we don't really have any flying lizards anymore do we are there flying lizards there's gotta be some tiny flying lizards in like you know well Africa. flying is the great great image I mean uh, somebody once the comic book store guy said over on that side of the talking animals and that's on that side of the flying people. <laughs> that's great. And once you have flying people, you know, you're off into science fiction and sure, fantasy. Sure, sure. Uh, Fun times. So, but we recognize that flying people are fantasy, except that we say, oh, but you can fly using a mechanism. So that makes right. it not fantasy, but real. But what's real? Exactly. So you're saying, aha, you know, bumblebees can't fly. Bumblebees fly. They can't. They're not. They, they've proven it. They've they, 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 their wings are too small to lift their bodies. 
They can't fly, but they do anyway. Oh, okay. okay. I was like, I saw one in here the other it's, day. It's irrational that <laughs> butterflies fly. So the wing spread that you'd have to have on a dragon, now maybe they, you know, they were, they were pterodactyls. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. But we're not sure whether they glided or actually flew because you have to have an enormous wingspan for the amount of body. Sure. You have to have hollow bones in birds, etc. Right. You know? And some birds are flightless. So, uh, why are we talking about dragons? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I ruined no, 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 it. No, no, no. Dragons <laughs> are a good example of how the imagination is more powerful than rationality. Right. And then, but still we subjugate women in that, you know, we've got... Uh, Wonder Woman, she can't just fly. She can only fly an invisible plane. Why can't she just fly? Why can't we just have Wonder Woman fly? Why do we have to give her an invisible plane? That just seems so dumb to me. Like Superman can fly. Because we need to tie Wonder Woman up. She was a bondage image. A bondage. She got tied right. up in everything. Well, she tied everybody up with her lasso of truth. She tied people up with her lasso, but she also got tied up in every single segment. You, read you know, the, you're absolutely read the history right. history of... Uh, of of Wonder Woman that came out, she was sort of a Betty uh, Page. Betty, sure, Betty Page. That's Betty a, Page. Yeah. yeah, it was that. Area. Yeah, the brown hair, now, voluptuous lady with the weird question, tall underwear. The question is: Are we becoming more sexually liberated and therefore free of the tyranny of the cultural oppression that was imposed on us through religion, or are we just becoming sexually wild? Hmm. And the people in the sexually in the Christian community say, "Well, we're just—it's just going out of hand. It's right. just look, teenage pregnancy and venereal disease, and you know, and and uh, and child abuse and sure. neglect, abandoned children, and because it'll all be fixed by Jesus, right? Yeah, or, and, yeah, and, sure. And you know, if you touch the wrong part of your body to the wrong part of another person's body, it's a sin. It's bad, and you know it. You can feel it. Well, you can feel it once you get the when you get the STD, and then you're like, oh, and I've got chlamydia. Well, no, wait, a minute, uh. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> there are people who really believe you know it's wrong, that there's something put inside you that tells you it's wrong. That if you're not in a married, commit, not even just a committed relationship, How but a married... How about if you're a kid and some adult touches you? Well, that's wrong. Everyone knows that's wrong. How does everyone know that's wrong? Kids basically don't know what the fuck is going on. Okay, now you bring up a good point. They kids say, "Why why are these people doing this and, thing?" And they can be easily manipulated because they're children and so yeah. they'll believe what adults tell them and they don't necessarily know. And, and yet they're troubled because something in them tells them that this this relationship, this thing that's going on isn't right. Right. So if you talk about sin as alienation from God uh -huh. and you talk about God being your ultimate power then sin is whatever separates you from what is really working the best for you right so if you were to um, embezzle from mutiny right <laughs> whatever they're yeah if okay. they're, let's pretend that it, there's money so to if, embezzle if from mutiny if yeah if so if I'm going to embezzle said, the money they, they owe yeah. me they couldn't exist sure. without me so sure. I'm just going to embezzle from them right well, they would give you the money right it's I true mean, there's no way they could keep you from taking the money right you know you just say I voted myself a salary and I'm going to quit if I don't get one and they would you know you'd have your oh I get, a, I get a stipend Mm -hmm. I get I get a stipend here. Yeah, right. I mean, they pay me, but the thing is, I purposely, since I own the place now, I purposely make my stipend 
so small that I can still get my government well, resources. And you know you would be better off if you only got paid one month a year. Oh, I didn't know that. Because... I've got the, the 1099 and I'm going to be paying myself $1,000 a month. So Wow. Yeah. Well, see, if you got paid $2,000 a month, six months a year, then you could draw unemployment the other six months of the year. Are you kidding? Yeah. See, no, that's too and, that's too and, smart for me. I can't. And that I don't would wanna... increase your social security benefits because they go on your high quarters. I haven't I haven't made I haven't paid taxes in nine. It's gonna be the first year in ten years that I've paid taxes. So I've got this ten ninety nine thing. I'm paying myself. I own the station. You're gonna have to pay. You're gonna have to pay uh... quarterly, but I don't have to because I make so little money. I make twelve thousand dollars a year here. So it's under, you don't have to, I mean, I'll still apply for all the stuff, but yeah. you have to make more than 14 to pay taxes. Well, So I'm still under your, the tax bracket. Social security, to qualify for social security, oh, I won't, qualify big. I won't qualify for social security. I, I, well, I don't think, I did, I worked, when I was in my 20s, I worked like a real person, like a normal person. I always had a job and that's where my 401ks are from. But I'm not worried about social security. I don't think it's going to be there when I'm old anyways. I think it's going to be gone. I think that Social Security is going to take care of y'all baby boomers. And then after that, we're going to be like, okay, we know it's not there. And um, we're just not even going to take You know it. what you're speaking there? You're speaking the gospel of the end of Social Security. Yeah, I know. And it's people sad. people believe what you're saying. Uh -oh. And they live that. They live that. Right. Now, this is the difference between belief and faith. Okay. You, you can believe that Social Security is going to come to an end, but you can say, I still am having the payroll taxes taken out. Ah. Uh, See? Right. So I'm not going to arrange to have a job in which I don't have to be on, the, I get paid under the table so that I... Right, I'm not being paid under the table. No. Not, no, no. But some jobs you have had, you were. Right. I, I was, but I still I still report that money not with taxes. I report it to the food stamp people and to the medical people because they know I'm really poor. Yeah, that's the only reason I've reported it. <laughs> yeah, but they. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I'm, I just. I don't feel like I need that much money though. I don't. I wouldn't even know. Like, if I made sixty thousand dollars a year, which I know is not that much for San Francisco, I would have no idea how to spend that much money. I would have no idea what to do with it. I buy more alcohol. I, I can't imagine what I would do with that much money every year. Well, maybe you would uh, take Uber to mutiny every time. I, you know, I, I'm a bus girl. I, the thing is, I don't like being frivolous. Like, that's a part of my belief structure is uh -huh. that f wastefulness and frivolity are... I don't... I'll, I'd rather walk than take a cab at three in the morning because I'm like, that 20 bucks on that cab So what is, we have is that your belief structure has developed a way of living that we would call a faith journey sure absolutely okay and so this is your religion right and you are true to this faith that you have your beliefs inspire your faith but when people say i believe in god it kind of doesn't mean i mean i you mean like you're saying i believe in haydn Right. You know, I, I, I believe in I believe in tortillas. Right. You know, I believe in tortillas. Uh, if you believe in the existence of God, the question is, what is your idea of what God is and how does that make a difference? Sure. Uh, and see, if you say, well, there's this remote person up there. Now, it's very important to a certain brand of religion that we have, that the atheists 
like to pick on. Oh, okay. It's very important that it's an individual personal God. But okay. it's a personality and a personality. It's your relationship with your papa. Okay? Right. And that therefore, since all fathers are loving good fathers, oops. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that you can then count on your father to be a loving good father. Well, my daughter depends on me to be loving, but I'm also impa- impaired. Mm. And so uh, if I buy her a car, it's a very old car. <laughs> it's a nice gift, no matter <laughs> she, what. <laughs> and she has to maintain it herself, and she still has it after seven years. And I told her, you're going to have to pay me back the money on that eventually. So, <laughs> you know, so uh, is a perfect father all-powerful? Omniscient, omnipresent. I mean, you know, now you're, to make it personal, your parents have a lot of power. I guess, not over my life. With, but they're withholding. I, I mean, I wouldn't take their money anyway. Like, okay. I don't need their money. And can you see how that messes up with the metaphor of God being a father? Sure. If your own, if your own parents are unsatisfactory, whereas if your own... You know, so when culturally, yeah, yeah. okay, comes to an end. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I know we're we're we'll, yeah. we'll wrap it up. But this has been this has been but, great. Yeah, we'll we'll wrap the, up this the, and then. The, the, one of the things is if you purposely do things that you know are bad for you, that you know are against your core values, against who you really are, it will make you unhappy. It will distance you from yourself. Right. And that is what. A lot of modern theologians are calling sin. Ah. Distancing yourself from that which is your ultimacy. Right. And the since Tillich in the before the fifties started writing about that ultimacy, there's only one ultimacy and you get glimpses of it. Sure. But you have to discover it according to your own limitations. So this is why the minute you say God, it's like pencils in a box, you know. You take I like them. the tortilla. Do you believe yeah. in, I believe in tortillas. Well, and people, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really easy to make fun of religion if you don't know about the whole spectrum of religious belief. If you only know about the wacko, wingnut, abusive, try to, you know, deny people. I I think God told me not to give you a marriage license because you're both the same gender. Right, you know, right. Mike Pence kind of ooh icky. Yeah, icky. You know? and, and I know the Mike conversion Pence camp is culturally. Oh. I mean, he wants to be governor. He wants to be vice president. And therefore, it looks good. And you get in the habit of saying these things. You know, you got in the habit when you were growing up of saying all these religiousitous things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it feels good. It sounds good. Oh, I have so much of the Bible memorized. It's insane. Yeah. And, yeah. and you just feel kind of like okay. It's like I. It's like a kid that can recite his alphabet and can do his multiplication tables. You feel what. Stick in your thumb and pull out a plum and say, what a good girl am I? Right, right, right. And, and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And, I mean, I agree. I I used to think that religion was important for children because it provides an external morality for something that's happening within the family. Absolutely. So it's not just mom and dad or mom or dad saying this is right and this is wrong, but it's this external group of people that all agree and say, don't, you know, adultery is bad and... 
and all and then everyone's agreeing on the same rules and and I like that kind of sense of community and I think that's great to raise children in but when you get into sticky times is when your pastor is saying don't no adultery no adultery and then you find out that they've really been sleeping with all the women that yes. they've been counseling and they've been abusing yes. their power in weird ways and and then you're like oh crap the fallacy of man and then it makes me not believe in god but then uh, i'm like I'll oh put, no i'll put it in clear ter- the advice you give is the advice you need so when donald trump is saying hillary is selling quid pro quo he was selling quid pro quo. Right. When he says they're tapping me, he's supporting wiretapping. I mean, right. when the things you complain about are often things that you're doing. Right. And a lot of the people who are really deeply closeted, closeted themselves, gay people, who are very conservative religiously. Somebody said this on the radio and it really clicked for me. They want to make sure there aren't any other openly gay people saying it's okay out there because that tempts them. Oh. You know, to think, well, maybe it is okay. Oh, I can't even think that because then I wouldn't be able to control myself. Oh. So I'd rather be an unhappy heterosexual than a happy homosexual. Huh. Because. That's the fear is too great. Yeah, the fear is too great. And so the more we show that you can have a whole variety of experiences and be all right. But, you know, we've got a whole rest of the world and Christianity, this very fundamentalist, very conservative Christianity is what the missionaries spread. And Christianity in other parts of the world is really rigid on a lot of these issues, just as rigid as as Islam. Right. we're we're going to reap the whirlwind from that within the churches as they the Methodist churches is, is an international church right and so we have all of these very conservative wings of it from other parts of the world and so here we are in the West in the West they're protecting the gay preachers because they have to be put on trial by their peers oh. and their peers saying, we're not going to bring an indictment. It's very much like the illegal immigrants in California, sure. where the governments are saying, "Well, we're not going to help the feds enforce immigration." Right. And and uh, so there's that kind of a split going on. So there are a lot of heroes for liberality within churches. People have decided to stay in churches and fight for the churches to stay on the right path. Uh, they're pretty. It's pretty heroic, and it's it's a it's a cutting edge. Uh, for a lot of people and I, I have great admiration for these people I know uh, and it started it started clear back during the Vietnam War when people were willing to preach against the war from the pulpit and right. got, got fired for it where they got fired for it oh sure and when people my dad wow in pulpits with a black minister in the 60s how cool and uh, yeah and uh, we got death threats what yeah wow see it shows we like to think that you know civil rights and we're so advanced but yeah that was only like 40 years ago oh, 50 no, years ago my lifetime 50 years ago yeah and so i come by my racism honestly i was raised you know i so I, was, I was already in an all-white society you know with all of the racism on television and in all the ads and right, all that. right it was already there before i was 10 
Sure. So I, I, I just own my racism and say I don't have to act out on it, just as I own my bisexuality and say I don't get to act out on it. Right, it. right. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Okay. Paul Sanford, this has been an awesome... You've been one of my favorite guests thus far because you are oh, so you. highly educated on the topic of which we spoke. Also, you're the first, like... We a lot of people are coming and just do atheism or agnosticism, and I'm like, yeah, but tell me something new. Well, atheism is very easy. It's atheism in San Francisco is like being pro-gay in San Francisco, sure, or being anti-Trump in San Francisco. Absolutely, I yeah. Mean, I hear comedians up there; they're doing their act, and I think you couldn't do this in Modesto. I'm I'm nervous because I'm going on tour with Steve Poggi to the Midwest in May, oh. and. I know that I want to do abortion jokes in Indiana when I go to yes. South Bend, Indiana. Yes. But I understand that nobody will laugh at those jokes. Well, maybe. It depends. You might get the people who need to get away from where maybe. they you know. I'm, I'm thinking that in the Midwest, I'll end up doing cat jokes and Jesus jokes because it's my most benign material. And I'm afraid to do anything political to talk about feminism to talk about abortion like I've got 10 minutes on abortion right now and I love it I love those jokes here we are with triumphalism okay triumphalism is the concept that whatever side won must have been the best one ah so if you go in and you say hey everybody hates Trump and they say we don't right then you have blown it. Absolutely. But if you go in and say, well, you know, I come from a place where everybody hates Trump. I'll bet you don't feel the same way here. But let me tell you some jokes about both Trump and Clinton and Obama. See, sure. Then, then, then you can you can be relatable. Uh, but you can't go in like after this. The woman. Uh, NAACP, what's my joke? My joke is, once you go black, you can't go back unless you work for the NAACP. Because <laughs> it was right? that lady. And that white funny. comedians got up for a month and scolded her. Huh. What business is that they got doing that? And, you know, who cares? Right. Who, who in San Francisco is going to say, is going to be offended? Well, and edgy? wanting to be black... Is di- that wanting to be more like another race? How is that racist? You know what I mean? Like if you, she, well, she called herself a black person and she wasn't because she was working for the NAACP. If she would have just, I, I don't know why anybody would claim to be something they're not. But it's like wanting to be more like another race isn't racist. Just yeah, and the- and uh, the, but the point is that everybody they started from the assumption that everybody in the audience was horrified by that right and so then they got they just scolded her they didn't even tell jokes they just right. scolded her for doing this awful thing right uh, Bill Cosby <laughs> I mean I make, Bill Cosby. make the Bill Cosby story funny right don't just get up and say oh we'll use Bill Cosby as a punchline sure sure it, uh, it's well it's lazy writing it's, it's right. lazy comedy but right. yeah and that's a lot of places when pedophiles right uh, uh, people use pedophile as a punchline put some other word in there put republican in sure Not, sure you know put put um obamacare in you know just just pedophile has become really hack right absolutely well there's so much that is there's so much of racial stereotyping has become hack there's so many but it, when's your next show come, speaking of my shows next show i'm i'm at uh off the hook oh cool on uh 
Saturday, week from Saturday. Great. That's uh, Johnny Corn's. Uh, yeah, show. down in um, down in down there, down Campbell, by Campbell. Sand, Campbell yeah, sand. he keeps trying to get me on a show, and I keep trying to do it, but my rides keep falling through, so I yeah. haven't been able. I was actually asked to be on. Uh, it's so far away. Well, What's happening over there? Okay. And this I'll, so I'll be away. appearing at Mutiny Radio whenever. Right. We're gonna cross. after after we're done with this, we'll sit and we'll look at the we'll, thing and we'll we'll, we'll book you on those shows because I I need my uh, I gotta fill out those uh, April shows for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse. All theme shows. All themed. This Friday's theme is actually a lot of fun. It's Saint Putrix Day, and it's all uh, rock bottom vomiting stories rock about vomiting about well because it's it's <laughs> it's Saint Patrick's drunk. Day. Yeah. Well, it's because it's Saint Patrick's Day, so it's Saint Putrick's Day because it's it's the seventeenth of the month. It's time to be Irish, and everybody, all the all the kids are going to come over from Walnut Creek. Get and uh, get and be ridiculous all day, and they're going to be amateurs, and they're going to throw up on their shoes. And instead of dealing with that, I'm saying people come here and hear stories about people throwing up on their shoes. It's going to be an exciting show because Mary Bushy's on it, and she's sober now, and she's going to tell us her rock bottom event. She used to do some like crazy drugs and stuff. Uh, also, who else is on that show? I'm really excited about. Mostly, oh, Matthew Banks. He was an alcoholic for like years and now he's been sober for like nine years or something. And I keep asking him to tell me drunk stories and he's like, okay, I'll do it on the show, Pam. Here's a way to go back to the Bible was written before distilled spirits were invented. Huh. So you couldn't get drunk as quickly and easily and cheaply as you can now. Sure. So you could have a buzz on all the time, but wine is expensive. Right. And so... So there isn't a lot about drunkenness and alcoholism. There certainly isn't anything about don't use cocaine or right, heroin. Right, exactly. Right? So if you want an example well, of don't how pollute the culture-specific I mean, something is, you freeze something in time 2,000 years. John Wesley started Methodism when gin was plentiful and uh-huh. cheap. And he started preaching against the evils of this form of alcohol that sure. makes you throw up on your shoes. Right, right, right. Because you drink a whole bunch of it and you don't know how to handle it. And right. And it's unnatural. Whereas beer and wine, they're more natural. You, it's harder to get sloppy. Super, yes. Supposedly. Although I drink, I can get sloppy on wine. You've seen me on beer. It's good times. You, do you mix marijuana with I alcohol? mix marijuana with everything. I wake up, the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up is smoke a fat bowl. That's pretty much what I do. I, after this, I'll go outside and smoke a fat bowl. Because um, I don't have the kids, I don't teach the kids until until five, so I'll be fine. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I love. I mean, I don't I don't think marijuana is a sin. We'll have you back on a on a second version because we could we could go on forever. Yeah. Because you're awesome. Okay. Uh, everybody, go see Paul Sanford next week in Campbell or here in April. Or it's at the Brainwash. Great. We're at the Brainwash. Several times whenever. I'm there, you know. They they do comedy at the Brainwash seven days seven nights a week, a week now. And I'm always I'm always welcome there. And yeah, I always, you're always, I always welcome here, well Paul. Enjoy, yeah. You know, we have five open mics a week now here. Yeah, I know. yeah, it's crazy, right? Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Wow. Not Thursday because I don't want to compete with Brainwash, and not Sunday because I don't want to compete with the Punchline. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, all right, yay, Paul Sanford, comedian and ex-pastor. You've been an amazing guest on Some Call Me Tim. Uh, for the rest of the and, time... And I'll be on another time and tell you why I'm an ex-pastor. Right, fun. <laughs> like we'll get an, into part like two. Man, Like I can turn him invisible. Sweet, know? yeah, we'll get him in an invisible plane and he'll fly away. We're going to book some shows. We'll be back. 
enjoy pervert fervor uh, beepity boopin this is a song called foreplay during the apocalypse this is some call me tim and that was when in love well we've been rocking <laughs>
tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical, free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tushar Matos with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. I 
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., From Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now brought to you by our generous festival sponsors alta california botanicals destiny's mom what a tomato produce company the law offices of john p strauss the third asiento fruitfruithot.com jankytown.org brooke heineken pervert fervor and trina roderick Asiento. This locally owned Mission Neighborhood Bar and Restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Stop! 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 